Welcome to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm your host, Vikram Raya, and today we're going to talk to Daniel Shin. Daniel Shin, also known as the Darwinian Doctor. Daniel, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Vikram. Nice to see you again. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? My name is Vikram Raya functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert. And I'm here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life so you can unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness all the while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. If you're a physician who's making good money, but you're feeling stuck in your current situation, or if you're tired of feeling just comfortable and are ready to pivot toward that freedom and wealth lifestyle you always wanted, then I want to introduce you to my newest program. It's called the Physician Wealth Accelerator, also known as PWA. In PWA, you're going to learn the strategies to gain more passive and active income. You'll learn how to free up 10 plus hours a week to pursue your passions and side gigs. If this resonates with you, then I want to personally invite you to join our elite community of high-achieving doctors in the Physician Wealth Accelerator. This is a completely free coaching group where you'll be around other professionals in the medical field who are like you and looking to uplevel their life. You'll get access to live monthly masterclasses, live Q&As, and all of my best personal resources, as well as access my new app to help you become limitless. If you want to check it out, there will be a link in the show notes for you. Just click it and you'll be able to join this exclusive community of high-performing docs. Looking forward to connecting with you on the inside. Guys, Daniel is an MD. He's a urological surgeon. He's a real estate investor. He's an educator. He is the author of the Darwinian Doctor blog, and he's well-known across the country to a lot of doctors who are looking to get out of burnout, get out of debt, into financial freedom. So, Daniel, um, it's an amazing journey you've been on. I've been following you closely. I'm so excited that you're on the podcast today. Tell people, man, tell, tell us about your origin story. Like, where did it all get started? Sure. Yeah. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be here and talking with you. Uh, I've been inspired by your message as well. Um, and I, I think for me, you know, I, it's helpful to kind of understand sort of where I, where I am now. Um, as you said, I'm a, I'm a urologic surgeon. I'm currently employed full time. Um, and I spend a lot of my free time blogging uh, at the Darwinian Doctor and sort of creating educational content on social media. And I also have a, a real estate portfolio. It's grown to about 26 units uh, and with a worth of probably about $6 million, although who knows what's going on with real estate prices these days. Um, but uh, this, because I would say has been a development over the last few years, especially uh, maybe four or five years. And really everything as always starts in childhood, right? So I, I grew up on the East Coast. Um, it was a typical immigrant family experience. Um, and everything was really great and idyllic for the first sort of part of my childhood, the early childhood. We lived this very typical sort of suburban existence where my dad worked um, and my mom stayed at home with the kids and everything seemed perfect. You know, we had that suburban house and there were no sort of constraints or, or stressors on us in the early part of childhood. Um, things really changed in the late 80s where there was a recession and it pretty much overnight my dad's industry which was commercial real estate at the time as a as a broker dried up so wow. all of a sudden things changed 
really fast. So over the course of months, I would say, uh, all of a sudden there were a lot of stressors on my parents. We lost our house. And over the course of literally two or three days, we had to pack up everything, put it into a moving van and then moved into a rental across town. Wow. And as a child, I really didn't understand exactly what was going on, but I knew that money had something to do with it. And then what followed for the next decade, I would say, was a really kind of stressful period of financial scarcity and a lot of stressors on my family. Um, my dad had to travel a lot to, to work. And, you know, there were, there were times when I would hear my mom crying at night because she was wondering if she would have enough money to buy us dinner. So it was this uh, very tumultuous time. And as a child, it was hard to process. But what I did understand is that I needed to try to find a way out of this situation. And my parents had instilled uh, basically this uh, recommendation that education is a way to sort of financial um, stability. So I really took that to heart. You know, I excelled academically. I uh, did great in high school. I got into an Ivy League school. And then in college, basically, I, you know, I realized that physicians in this country, uh, it's this really nice mix of uh, qualities as that you can have as a physician, basically, you earn a great living, uh, you're well respected, you're helping people. So that's the path that I chose. And from there, I, I got into med school, I got into urology residency here in Los Angeles. Uh, and then after six grueling years, uh, I was an attending urologist, you know, um, when, when, what, what year was that? That was 2016. Okay. So six years ago, all of a sudden, all my dreams had come true, right? I did have a lot of student debt. I graduated residency with $300,000 of student debt, but I also was making a great living, you know, and, uh, what followed for the next two years, I think was very typical. So we, uh, we were at that point, um, you know, getting ready to have our second second child, another boy, and we went through that uh, the typical sort of scenario where I was making great living. I said, okay, so we gotta we gotta get a big house. So we moved across town in Los Angeles. We got a big doctor house. We settled in. <laughs> um, my place of work was a good bit south from where we live in LA, so I was driving about one hour back and forth, um, both ways was about an hour commute. And it was tolerable in the beginning, but then about two years into it. So not that long into it, I was finding myself in this uncomfortable situation where I was commuting 10 hours a week, I was working about 60 hours a week. And I felt very handcuffed to my paycheck because we had a lot of expenses. As I said, we moved into this big house in Los Angeles where real estate is super expensive. Uh, we had all these other expenses. Um, I had bought, uh, I'd bought a, you know, an expensive car to try to make my commute more palatable. Um, <laughs> and I felt like I was overworked and I, I wasn't very happy, but I, I felt really, it was, it was really difficult to know how to pull back from that sort of schedule. Uh, I felt these golden handcuffs kind of constraining me to the job and I wasn't sure where to go. Can I, can I, can I jump in there, uh, Daniel? What, what exactly did you start feeling? Because I know you're speaking to hundreds and thousands of doctors out there who, who probably starting to say, Hey, that sounds like me, but what was it? I mean, you were only two years in. So like a lot of people wait till like they're six or 10 years in before they start feeling that. How did you know you had these handcuffs on? Yeah, you know, I thought it was early too, which is why in the beginning I was really confused. But when I look back, I was very, I was burnt out. 
you know, which is, I think you would say is a little strange just being just a couple of years into practice, but really by that point, I was feeling a lack of goals too, because, you know, everything in my life up to that point had been in four to six year increments. And I think this is really common for doctors, right? You know, you're striving for the next, you know, step examination or the next board examination. But once, unless you're in academics, when you're sort of striving for tenure or something like that, you know, or the, or the next paper or, or something like that, when you're an employed physician doing your job, that's essentially it. You know, you're looking at the prospect of doing that same thing for 30 years and then retiring and then, you know, dying, what is it on average, uh, <laughs> nine years later or, or whatever like that. Um, so, so basically, I was feeling uh, goalless. I felt mm. very, uh, very trapped, as in I would have loved to have gotten rid of my commute. I would have loved to have worked a bit less, but I, I, I felt like I couldn't because I had all these expensive. I didn't know where I was at financially. I still had, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars of debt, and I, I didn't know how I was going to remedy the situation. So um, that was how I was feeling. And the way that I, I sort of approached it was that, I decided to sort of take matters into my own hands with education. So um, I learned about personal finance. I got a new goal, which was financial freedom. And then I had this interesting evolution that started with stocks and now is concentrated in real estate and as my vehicle towards financial freedom. What was your, what was your first piece of education outside of your medical books that said, aha, what's going on here? So I, I think it was podcasts, you know, and, uh, okay. you know, I, I love the medium of podcasts, you know, one, one day, I think I would love to uh, have a podcast myself, but it's just a wonderful way to make use of dead time, you know, uh, whether you're walking, you're working out, you're in my case, I literally had 10 hours a week when I was stuck in my car. It was, you know, before I got my electric car, it was even longer than that because I couldn't get in the HOV lane. Right. So it was 10 plus hours a week when I was just trying to uh, keep my blood pressure down. So I didn't have, a, <laughs> you know, I didn't have a stroke on my way to work because That's California, right. That's right. California traffic is just awful, you know? So, so, so you used your 10 hours, right? You had an hour there, hour back. I had something very similar when I was in cardiology and I was practicing and I used that time. I squeezed the juice out of the time. I called it traffic university and I literally, gained so many skill sets in that time. So that's awesome. So what were the, some of the early podcasts or books you listened to? I think a lot of the early podcasts were things like the White Coat Investor. You know, I mm, think for the, the basics of personal finance, uh, it's a great a source of education. Um, the Afford Anything podcast was, was really great. Paula Pant, uh, I think, is a great voice in the personal finance sort of space. Um, and then from there, it kind of grew organically. You know, what I realized after you know, months of just absorbing all I could about personal finance is that a lot of people get to financial freedom through stocks. I would say that is that is a typical way. You just save 20% of your income every month, put it into broad-based index funds. And then after probably 20, 30 years, you're financially independent. It's just kind of like formulaic, right? But there was this subset of people that were getting to financial freedom in five to 10 years, you know? And, and as yeah. I listened to it, I was like, what are what is the common thread here? And they're all real estate investors. Ah. So okay. after I would say about a year, and you could you could 
I, I was writing and recording all of this on my blog, The Darwinian Doctor, and you could see my content and thinking sort of shifting on the blog itself in real time because I was like, okay, this is going to be my plan. Initially, my plan was to get to financial freedom in 15 years just by like putting it all away into stocks, uh, being having a budget, knowing knowing my spending. You know, all these so things are very good. When you when you when you started practicing, um, uh, Daniel, what what was your age? Uh, I'm 40 now. Okay. So I started practicing six years ago. So I was 34 years old. So 34. And then you wanted to get financially free following the strategies you've learned initially was in 15, 10 to 15 years, right? So by 44, maybe maybe 50, that was the goal? It was 15 years, yeah. And yeah. it was a sort of investing that we could afford and it tracked very well. You know, I had this whole sort of yeah. timeline in a spreadsheet. That was the initial plan. And then, um, well, I, I want to I get into how that changed with uh, some of the new strategies you're learning. But where did the Darwinian doctor, first of all, where did that name come from? I, I found it very interesting and very compelling. And number two, how did you as a, sounds like you had children, sounds like you had a, a, a 20 hour, uh, you know, or a 10 hour commute a week, and you had, you know, uh, your your full time job and your husband. How did you find time to do this blog or this this whole thing called Darwinian Doctor? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I sometimes I forget to even mention it, even though it's such a large part of my life. But I was writing uh, on the Darwinian Doctor from the beginning of this whole experience, and I write a lot about my frustrations and uh, my education, and I kind of, for me, the blog was a way to record my process. Uh, it was a way to have public accountability for my progress. So if I was making these big decisions and proclamations, I would write it down. And in, in my mind, that would help me kind of stick to my goals, right? Um, so you found it, it to also, be an accountability journal almost, a public accountability journal. Absolutely. And I knew that there were a lot of other people out there in a very similar situation. So I also thought that over time, it would grow to be something that was very educational and helpful for other people feeling the same way with the same golden handcuffs, you wanted to learn how to break free. That's awesome. And so it started off small, just as, as like an outpouring of your thoughts, your, your experiments, your strategies. And now it's grown into this sort of, uh, sort of, I would say it's a movement, man, a mission. A lot of people are really excited about what you write. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, there are so many people who feel the same way and, uh, really that feeling when you're when you don't know what to do because you feel these golden handcuffs it's this very frustrating stressful feeling and to know that there is a way out of it through educational education uh personal empowerment you know i think that's a powerful message and to answer your question of how i was doing it it was basically yeah a lot of midnight oil you know writing on the weekends writing after hours um I would say after having done it now for uh, you know uh, four or five years, it I wouldn't say it's necessarily the most sustainable thing to be working full time and running you know essentially a, a blogging business now uh, and and real estate business on top of it. So uh, definitely, I would say a lot of it is just a lot of grit and just doing it on the on the side. But in terms of sustainability long term, I don't know if I'd recommend it to everyone. Do you have a virtual assistant? Do you have a team or is this all you? 
Uh, so I have a virtual assistant and I, I would say my virtual assistant is very underutilized. And that is one thing that I'm, uh, you know, hoping to figure out because I agree, you know, we, if you're doing a lot of these things, having a team is essential and it pretty much it's a one person show right now. And, you know, I think that I have a lot to learn in, in terms of running, running a business. Can you sort of, uh, walk me through how did you transition from stocks being your main go-to to real estate? And then maybe share with the listeners, you know, it was scary to probably buy your first deal investment deal. How did, how did that come about? Sure. So I guess what I, you know, after that realization that there were some people transitioning and becoming financially free so much sooner, I really looked into it because initially there's a lot of noise with real estate. There's a lot of cheerleading and you, you almost feel, get this feel from many sort of real estate outlets that it could, it's a scam. You know, it's like, what are these people talking? They're peddling, you know, nonsense. But when you really look at it, what is this, what is the key to real estate in terms of financial freedom? It's the cash flow that you can achieve from it. So what I realized that if you're going to achieve financial freedom through stocks, essentially you're going to go by what's known as a 4% rule. You put away a million dollars and then you can every year use $40,000 or 4%. Um, and theoretically, based on you know studies, you're never going to exhaust that source of income, right? Um, because the stock market keeps growing. But that takes a long time to literally save a million dollars into the stock market. Uh, let alone, you know, two million, three million. You know, our our goal for uh, our portfolio was something like six million dollars to have enough money to live in a place like Los, Los Angeles. So. That's why it was initially going to take us 15 years to get there. But what I realized through cash flow and real estate, which is real estate that you rent out and you receive a rent check every month, you can use that cash to 100% replace your living expenses. And just mathematically, it's much easier to do that because there's all these things in real estate to allow you to grow faster. There's leverage that you can get from banks. There's this whole industry to kind of support you. Um, and there's lots of tax incentives to help you along the way. And what I, one of the most powerful realizations for me was that tax incentives are, it's basically the government telling you what they want you to do with your money, right? So it's like the government says, okay, geez, I don't wanna create all the housing needed for the US. I'll just create tax incentives and have private people do it for me. So by having and taking advantage of tax incentives, you can achieve your goals faster. And it's not like it's something, some, um, uh, it's, it's not that things are going against, you know, what you're supposed to be doing. This is just what the government wants you to do. So all of these realizations just led me to realize that real estate investing was a better medium. All right. So that makes so much sense. I love how you talked about leverage taxes, how you, there's a team right there. You, you can, you know, use to help you get your goals, cash flow. And I love how you eloquently put like the government incentivizes certain behaviors. You want to be wealthy, do what the government is asking, which is like, hey, do real estate. It's giving you tax breaks. Hey, you know, start a company. It's giving you tax breaks, right? Do if you're a W-2 employee, okay, you get a little bit, but not much. So it, it the government rewards ingenuity and rewards growth and rewards expansion and growth, job creation, growth, purchasing assets. So that's, and you, you're following that. There's a mental construct of knowing what to do. And then there's actually the courage to break those handcuffs, which you did. 
Daniel, and actually do it. Help the listeners here understand that that gap and how you took that faith of uh, that that step forward of faith and courage. Sure, and I think it really came down to education uh, as the the first fundamental step. So, uh, as I was undergoing this sort of transformation in my thinking, my uh, consumption of education shifted. So instead of listening to the white coat investor, I was more listening to bigger pockets, you know, yes. and they have a series of incredible podcasts where it's just like a lot of stories about people investing in real estate. You know, they have one focused towards rookie investors, as they call them, you know, they have ones focused towards uh, other investors who are a bit more experienced. And no matter where you're at, you'll find tons of free educational content about it. Um, so that's where it started. And then I started reading books as well about it. And the more any, you, any big ones stood out to you? Well, the one that there was one that uh, I would say was the most instrumental in my uh, strategy, which is long distance real estate investing. And uh, Bigger Pockets has a book, essentially, I, I forget the exact title, but it's uh, how to invest as a long distance real estate investor, you know, and they self-publish these things. You could buy them on Amazon. And I like their content because it's not too technical. There's not a lot of jargon. They break it down for sort of the layman investor. And that's really where I was at. Um, the longer you just listen to people talking about real estate, you start understanding the terminology. And it's just like going to medical school. You, you learn what an ABG is, you learn what an EKG <laughs> is, right? So the longer you just start educating yourself by just learning the language, learning the, the simple mathematics behind calculating um, uh, return on investment, for example, or, or cash on cash, you know, these things, you, you suddenly find yourself knowing what people are talking about. And then there is, I would say the last hurdle is just making that first investment. And for me, uh, it was still very daunting. So I ended up buying a turnkey real estate invest, uh, real estate in investment for my first purchase. It was a single family home in Birmingham um, that was already renovated. And I was just essentially buying a product off a shelf. Uh, and for me, that was approachable enough as an initial investment. And I did two of those. And then I went on to sort of doing it myself. Who did uh, you use to help you uh, get that first deal done? I hesitate to say the name of it for the first deal because I, I you know, over time, I haven't actually loved the experience. Uh, okay. Okay. So, you know. Um, if there's another recommendation, uh, I'd love to hear it for our audience. You know, the second turnkey uh, investment I made was in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I used Mid-South Homebuyers. You know, they're this okay. very well-run professional outlet where they, uh, so just to define turnkey, a company will buy a distressed home, which is in need of renovation. They'll do the renovation. They'll sell the finished product to an investor like you or me. And they'll also help with the property management. So they'll find a tenant, they'll manage that property for you, and then they'll just send you rent checks. You know, the, the good That's thing awesome. is that, yeah, it's very simple. The bad thing about it, I would say, is that you're sacrificing a lot of return because of the convenience. You're essentially paying a retail price. So you're going to lose a lot of the return that you might get if you do it yourself. But what you're losing in that, you're gaining in, I would say, convenience and you're capitalizing on them taking that initial risk in the renovation process, which I think is the most sort of 
the most things can go wrong in that initial process. Daniel, what I tell all my, you know, my clients and, and a lot of the doctors I speak to, I say version one is better than version none. So, you know, kudos to you for taking that, that initial step. And then once you feel comfortable, like you, like you did, you eventually take the reins back where you're like, you know what, I can identify, buy, manage all, all within, you know, my company, my own, you know, pursuit. That's great. Exactly. And, you know, after that initial experience, I did it twice with two turnkeys. I was like, okay, I kind of understand how this all works. And then I built a team uh, and I started doing uh, renovations and uh, using the Burr process in Indianapolis. And that's where I have most of my portfolio, most of my long-term rental portfolio now. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot you've covered. You talked about your journey and all the, and then you sort of become, I would say you've become awakened as a physician, right? There's a lot of people, like we're all in a trance sometimes these doctors, and then you've pulled yourself out of the matrix, you know? I'm going to yeah, call I, you, I'm going to call you Neo, Daniel. <laughs> no, sometimes I feel like that because, you know, I think the, I think the inclination um, is when you're, especially when you're employed and you are not necessarily running it as your own business uh, is that in medicine is to just put your head down, do the work, get your paycheck, you know, try to live your life. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but if you find yourself in a position where you're not completely happy with your day to day, I think it's important to realize that you can do other things. I mean, people who become physicians are so incredibly talented. You know, if you think back to your application to medical school, you're probably, you know, head of the head of the marching band like I was, or your track and field star, you were a debate star, you know, you're uh, making scientific inventions on the side. And then the problem is your interests and side hobbies usually get whittled down through your educational process, whereby when you're finally an attending physician, your 90% of your, uh, your life outside of your family is your job. Uh, I think it's important to realize that you can reclaim those and have outside interests, even as a, you know, working physician. Uh, I love that. I love how you're talking about reclaim your passions and interests, uh, because sometimes those get sacrifices uh, all in the name of medicine. So um, that's another reason why being financially free or having multiple streams of income as a physician is so important. Uh, Daniel, uh, you know, you've been speaking with doctors yourself, uh, especially on your journey and things like that. What do you think is a common sort of common um, fear, worry, or concern that most physicians have nowadays in this new generation of doctors that are coming out? You know, I, I think the, the biggest worry and stress around doctors nowadays is that they're trapped in their day-to-day and have to put up with the things in their workplace that cause them to be stressed out and unhappy. So, so what are those things? So uh, I know this myself because I just surveyed my own department uh, of urologists and the things that are causing us to be burnt out and unhappy uh, are things like overnight call. Uh, it's clinics that are more like factories, but because we're just trying to move patients in and out as quickly, quickly as possible. And it's things like the onslaught of lab results, imaging results, and patient messages that can become increasingly erode into your personal time. You know, um, in my hospital, 
they know this because they track everything, but most physicians spend <clears throat> about an hour and a half to two hours a day outside of their paid working hours responding to patient messages and taking care of, of lab results. So that's, that's time that is coming away from your family or your sleep because you're doing it at night or you know, on the weekends. And I think that most physicians who are dealing with these things and it affects them, some, some people are totally immune and just roll with the punches and that's great, but some people don't like that. But without financial empowerment, without having the confidence from knowing where you are on a, you know, uh, financially, you don't know how to, you don't see any way out of that. And I think the, what I've realized is that physicians need financial empowerment to have hope that they can change their current situation or break free if they so desire. Yeah. You know, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about like, uh, like an insect or a bee or something going in and there's the honey inside and then there's a venus flytrap and it closes on these doctors and they're like trying to get out and then uh it, it, you're right i mean these things you know in any one of these things by itself daniel probably wouldn't have shifted most people's thinking but it's the compounding effect of you know the overnight call on top of this on top of that at some point you get that burnout or the breaking point that some physicians experience um let me ask you this you know you've You've been daring, you've gone out and done stocks, then real estate, you've done the blog. What do other doctors sometimes tell you? Or, or do they, what is the languaging they're saying? Why do you do this, Daniel? Why don't you just focus on your job? Are you getting any of that? What kind of languaging or, or feedback do you get from doctors who are not in the same vein as me and you? You know, I would say um, almost universally, the feedback I've gotten from other physicians has been positive when they learn about my blog, when they learn about my investing and, or when they see one of my TikTok videos or something like that. Universally, it's positive because the people who tend to gravitate towards my content are struggling with many of the same things that you and I have been talking about. Um, I, I think it's one of admiration and one of wanting to emulate these things, which is totally possible for everyone. The, the place where I get the most uh, uh, negative commentary is I would say non-physicians who don't know how tough it is to be a physician nowadays, especially when most of us are employed these days. Um, it's coming from the public and it's a lot of stay in your lane, just be a physician. Why are you talking about money? You know, doctors are bad investors, all of these things that are essentially meant to try to keep you, you know, keep your blinders on and keep you just doing your job. And there, again, there's nothing wrong with doing your job, but I think it's very important to realize that there are alternatives out there and there are ways to empower yourself so that you don't have to just take your, the circumstances that are making you unhappy. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. And I, I love how you, how you highlighted it's actually non-physicians who are actually saying that versus the physicians, they, they, they understand the grind and it's they probably, like you said, they, there's some admiration and they're like, hey, look. You know, if he can do it, maybe I can. And it's actually inspiration sometimes. So that's great. Um, I want to ask you a really important question, Daniel. What's the impact you want to have on the world? So if there's a goal for the Darwinian Doctor blog and sort of where I would like to leave an impact, I would like to move as many people towards financial freedom as possible in the shortest amount of time. Because I, you know, this is... 
I would say this is a, a little bit of a, a strange way of looking at it, but I see every human as having unlimited potential, right? You could do incredible things, but most of us are not going to do those incredible things because we're too busy trying to pay our bills. And we're spending the vast majority of our, of our lives, literally our lives, not with our loved ones or with friends or thinking of ways to change the world. We're just working or we're, we're commuting. And all of our precious energies are spent furthering the goals of someone else, not our own goals, right? So for me, you know, the Michelangelo's uh, of the past, uh, the Leonardo da Vinci's, how did they do what they did? They had financial ability to do that. Maybe it wasn't because, you know, in the 16th century or whatever, they, they didn't have stocks, right? But they had benefactors or they had, they had people who were supporting them who recognized their vision and their, their genius. So nowadays, we don't need a patron, a wealthy patron to give us money to work on our life-changing business ideas. We can do it ourselves. We can invest in ways that gives us this power. And this is a it's a very special privilege that we have as people living in a uh, in the United States or uh, in a developed nation in the 21st century, um, and that's that's where I would like people to go. I would like them to take that take that ability, put it to use, move towards financial freedom, and leave their own mark on the world. <laughs> I, I call it sounds like it's the modern renaissance. You want to bring back the modern renaissance and let these doctors, you know. Uh, sort of shine their full brightness. They may be great in medicine, but they may be good in three other things and let all of that shine out. So that's, that's beautiful. I love that vision. Um, I know right now, I know a lot of doctors and people listening are like, I need to talk to Daniel. I need to get to know him. I need to be part of his universe. How can they get to know you more, Daniel? I think the, the hub of all of my activities is, uh, the Darwinian Doctor blog. It's the Darwinian Dar, the Darwinian Doctor.com. Um, and there you'll find all my resources, all my blog posts, and links to my sort of video content and uh, you know, ability to you know talk with me and all that stuff. It's all available through there. So I would say that's the best way. And as a side note, I want to give kudos to my 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 fellow 40-year-old person. To be on TikTok because that's not what we normally do as when we cross the forty-year-old threshold. So good job, man! And how are you getting some traction on TikTok? Yeah, I've got about one hundred and five thousand followers on TikTok. So it's uh... boom, mic drop, guys, <laughs> mic drop. Nice. Yeah, thank you. Okay, awesome, brother. Um, definitely want to have you back on the on the podcast in the future as you as you progress and everything you're doing. But uh, guys, this is an amazing podcast. Listen to it again. He dropped so many information points on the physician journey, the physician pain points. He talked about his journey from no financial savviness to stocks to eventually real estate. He talked about, you know, the current state of medicine and where it is and where it's going. Um, you know, the top, some of the decisions he's made in his life that made a huge difference and now how he's created one of the most, you know, influential blogs in, in, in among doctors right now with the Darwinian doctor. So thank you again, Daniel, appreciate you. And guys, until next time, be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. 
for more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. So until next time, my friends, be phenomenal.